Hello and welcome to the fifth installment of the Around the Hornet podcast, revived by the current staff of the Hornet newspaper, Fullerton College's independent news outlet. My name is Jake Rhodes, I'm the sports desk editor at the Hornet, and I'll be your host. In this episode, you'll hear from Quinn Cisneros. Hi, Quinn. Yo, yo. Pedro Saravia. What's up, Pedro? Hello, how you doing? And the editor-in-chief of the Hornet, Harald Chagoya. What's good, boss man? Thank you for having us. And last but not least, let's show some love to our producer on the ones and twos, Sarah Leone, the managing editor of the Hornet. Hey there, Sarah. Hey. And Jessica Langlois, our advisor and professor here at Fullerton College. In this episode, we will be discussing five topics. The Lakers must have earned Dylan Brooks' respect. They gave him and the Grizzlies a 40-point ass-whooping to close out the first round. We'll preview the Lakers versus Warriors ahead of their semifinal matchup. In the soccer realm, we have to get into the current state of the Premier League and the CONCACAF semifinals finishing up this week. We will also recap the NFL draft, surprises, and who we think won and lost over the weekend. We then plan to give an MLB update following a month of play, including surprises in the league this far. And for our debate topic at the end, we'll stay in the realm of the hardball and discuss if we like the new rule changes so far, along with what the hell is going on with the woeful Oakland A's. So much to get to, so little time, and that's what makes Around the Hornet so special. Starting off on the hardwood, the Lakers took the soul of the Memphis Grizzlies in Game 6, moving on to the semis. D'Lo showed out, dropping 31 points in 30 minutes in the clincher. John Morant shrunk in crunch time, shooting 3 for 16 and scoring 10 points in the loss. I guess he's not fine in the West. Desmond Bain proved he's only a home arena type player, scoring 15 on 5 of 16 shooting. Your defensive player of the year, Jaron Jackson, was put on a poster by Anthony Davis and was a non-factor for most of the series except for Game 1. And that Lakers defense was elite in this game and the entire series. They blocked 55 shots in six games. Quinn, you know I had to throw a lot of shade in that one. Uh, How impressed were we of the way the Lakers closed out the number two seed Grizzlies, especially after the dud they laid in game five? I was very very satisfied with how the Lakers handled the uh, Grizzlies in game six. I thought game five was very rough and... Honestly, the heart just wasn't there, and you could kind of tell LeBron, you know, his legs seemed a little shot. A lot of his shot attempts were short. He airballed a couple balls, and AD did his thing. Um, But outside of that, that game five was pretty rough to watch. Um, And then just the game six, they came in, they asserted their dominance. You know, uh, we were blowing them out by the third quarter, and we really pulled away in the fourth. And, uh, you know, karma ended up getting to Dylan Brooks, and, you know, he got his 40. It was a 40-point loss to end his season, and uh, now he's not going to even be on the Grizzlies anymore. maybe his career. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, we'll see. Um, But, you know, I I thought the Lakers came out and did what they had to do. Gerardo, you you believed we'd be swept. Then you believed we'd do the sweeping. And then we end up winning in six in dramatic fashion. So, what's your take? How do you feel that your Lakers did? Well, first of all, you're going to have to call me Mr. Flip-Flop. <laughs> um, I'm very impressed with the, how the Lakers played, uh, especially considering Game 5. And then Game 6, when they uh, took it, they dominated pretty much. You know, they took, 40 they point took it to the, win. Yeah, they took mm-hmm. it to the Grizzlies. Pedro, how impressed were you with the Lakers? I know it's not necessarily your team, but... I mean, honestly, like, on this series of games, we saw a different Lakers that we've seen the rest of the season. It's true. Uh, last time I was here, I said the Grizzlies were going to win uh, easily, but, I mean, I got surprised, you know? The good thing out of this is that I heard some Grizzly players talking a little bit before the game, saying how it was going to be easy or something like that. Don't, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure about it, but, I mean, if it was like that, you know, you cannot talk before a game. You have to, you know, go there, win the game, win the games, and, and, and then you can talk. So, I mean, 
you know they learn something out of it there can there can always be some talk before the game you just got to be able to back it up that's the main yeah. thing yeah you got to back it up and then quinn i gotta ask this is kind of just for, for quinn because him and i have just been sending memes back and forth mm-hmm. since uh the last game is there an opponent or a team that we recall who talked this much for someone that hasn't won anything not that I can remember. I mean, the, the only thing I can remember is, like, just, like, people that try to irritate LeBron, like, you know, when I was, I think I was in elementary school when they had that, you know, the he and the Pacers those couple years, and Lance Stevenson, you know, was a pain in LeBron's side. But um, other than that, no. I think, you know, the Memphis, they're just, they're frauds, man. I mean, they, <laughs> you know, they come out and talk all this junk. They talked junk last year. Um, you know, John Moran, Minnesota, I just saw this on Twitter. Uh, Minnesota took game one last year Mm -hmm. at Memphis. It was the same two versus seven matchup and, and Minnesota took the first game and then the second game Memphis won and John Moran was leaving the court saying, man, uh, whoever switched up, y'all stay on that side. Like, (laughs) how are you going to be talking like that, man? It's the first round. And, you know, you know, Minnesota got their home court that they needed. Like they took a game. Uh, you know, obviously Memphis ended up winning, and then, you know, this next series, Memphis got whooped by the Warriors in six, and, like, that was the same thing. They tried poking a great, and it just didn't work out. Like, they, they're they just, they were, they're too young, they're too immature to be talking the way they, they're, uh, they talk. Yeah, fraud, fraud is the perfect word. Mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, I, I don't know, and I'm a little older than you, and I, I don't remember. I, I always like to throw this in whenever I can, is that, 2008 Boston Celtics have so much get so much clout off of one ring, mm-hmm. but they have the ring. Yeah. The Memphis doesn't even have that. Right. They haven't been to they haven't even been to the finals. And if Memphis wants it to work out, they're gonna have to learn to not always rely on fast breaks because they were the number one team in fast break points, fast break offense, all that kind of stuff. And in the playoffs, the game slows down, and you know that really hurt them in the half court. And having AD in front of the rim makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So they don't face that every night either. Yep. The team did not perform. You said Dylan Brooks is on the way to Indonesia or wherever he's going next. He's out China. Of China, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know what you do with John Morant. Injury prone now because that's probably a safe way to describe him. Yeah, I bit. think you keep that core of him him and Jackson Jr. and Bain around. Um, but, I mean, honestly, like I'm kind of at a crossroads what you do with Brooks. Obviously, they came out today and said that, you know, Shams came out with the report saying that, you know, they're basically done with him under, mm-hmm. you know, what is it? Under no circumstances yeah. is he coming back. I just think Brooks, you know, he just talks a lot. And maybe, you know, in, in the end, it ended up hurting them, obviously. But who knows what kind of teammate he is for that team. Because obviously, like, you know, in the media, no one likes him. You know, no regular fan likes him. But, you know, to that to his maybe team. Maybe they liked him. Yeah, you know, to as, a, as a teammate, you know. I mean, no one um, told him to shut up. So, yeah. obviously, they and they, been they, on board they with talk, They talk the same amount of trash. They just kind of, you know water it down a little bit but you know like Bain said oh let's see if Rui Hachimura can replicate that performance after game one and he almost outscored the whole Grizzlies bench by himself in the series yep so I mean you know so maybe maybe this maybe letting Brooks go isn't the best thing for them but uh maybe at the same time it is yeah it'll be interesting to see where they go because their season's over and they can enjoy Cancun (laughs) sorry last dig I'm done all right Lakers are moving on their opponent's going to be the defending champion Warriors who beat the Kings in a grueling seven-game series, thanks to a 50-piece from Steph Curry in Sacramento Sunday afternoon. Game one is slated to be played Tuesday night in San Francisco between the Lakers and the Warriors. I'll lean on Quinn first, then we'll move around the table before we get to predictions, Gerardo. What is the matchup to look for in this series? 
I don't think there's any particular matchup because um, you can't really, you know, because we're way bigger than the Warriors, right, to begin with. Um, so I think it's I think it's honestly how AD comes out every each and every night, and then also how are the Lakers going to be able to try to slow down Curry, um, because Thompson did not have a good game seven, Mm-mm. but Curry dropped fifty and they still won. Obviously Curry's probably not going to drop fifty every game, but if you can limit him in some way, I think it would be great. Um, I think taking out Pool and you know he didn't have a good series Mm-mm. against the Kings. But I think if they, the Lakers can limit pool as well, um, you know, the Lakers have a very good shot. But also it really, really depends on how Reeves plays and how D'Lo plays. Can't expect D'Lo to play how he did in game six. You just can't. But you could only hope he can. And then LeBron, I, th- you know, LeBron struggled a little bit. You know, he still did great, but, you know, it wasn't the typical LeBron we were used to seeing. Um, but at the end of the day, I think LeBron is going to do what LeBron does. And, um, yeah, we, we the Lakers really have to rely on AD here in this series to really play defense and, you know, be able to get, I hope, 30 a night. <laughs> he really should at least he average should. 28 to 30 points in this series. I think the matchup is AD versus Kevon Looney. I think he has to keep Kevon Looney off the glass because mm-hmm. the Warriors is not the team to give second and third opportunities to shoot. Yep. Plus, plus the Warriors are obviously a way better three-point shooting team than Memphis was. Lakers right. got dodged a bullet with Memphis not being able to hit those shots on it's the It's a totally road. different matchup. It's yep. a, a totally different matchup from AD defending the rims. Now he's going to have to guard on the perimeter. But here's the thing is because Memphis obviously is way tougher, and mm-hmm. the Lakers at times out-tough them. And the Warriors, they're more of like a, you know, finesse. They're more of a finesse team. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. And then who do you think is the X factor for each team? The X factor is Clay Thompson for the Warriors. Yep. Agreed. Easily. And then the X factor for the Lakers, oh, it's tough. It could be anyone, honestly. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Vanderbilt. I do what? Yeah, I, agree. I was gonna uh, say yeah. the same I'm thing. I'm gonna go with Vanderbilt because I want to see how he defends. I want to see how his I, defense. His matchup. Impacts. I think he's yeah. gonna guard Steph. Yeah, I and think. I think that's yeah. the matchup. Yeah. yeah, I saw somewhere where it was like, oh, we'll see, we'll see if like the Lakers start Vanderbilt. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he has this, to start. Yeah, he has to start. <laughs> so you know, we'll see. And then now, the last four closes the topic out. Gerardo, prediction time. Who you got, Warriors or Lakers? Mr. Flip Flops going with, with the defending champions. Any amount of games you got? Seven. Seven? Seven okay. Games. Pedro, you got, a, you got a prediction? Well, I'm not going to do the mistake <laughs> that I did before. Um, no, you can be honest. I mean, I mean it doesn't matter. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be honest with myself and with everybody. I think this is going to be really, really close, but I think the Warriors are going to take um, – at the end with seven games. Yeah, they're defending champions. Right. No, yeah, they're the you favorite. Know, understand. The Lakers, understand. The Lakers are going to put up a fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I see. Quinn? I'm going to say Lakers in six. Lakers in six. I'm saying Lakers in six as well. I think they have to steal game one or two, and I mm-hmm. think it's going to be game one. I do. I think the Warriors are going to be absolutely gassed coming into tonight off a two-game flip around where yep. AD and LeBron were off their feet for four days. And but also, that could also – fire against us but we'll see i that think we're, fire back we're more vet veteran base mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think that helps us like I, I think guys like reeves and like um Rui and guys of that nature are might not be a little rustier tonight mm-hmm. but i think the vets like d'lo lebron ad i think they'll be ready mm-hmm. to go yeah um so we'll see we'll see what lakers do moving on to the soccer realm we're going to move our to our resident soccer expert at the table pedro uh we're starting with premier league premier league is in the heat of a race 
with uh, two singular points separating the defending champs Manchester City and Arsenal trying to make their return to glory. Pedro, is this a two-team race in the Premier League, or does anyone else have an outside chance to try to get into the mix? Well, definitely it's just a two-team race. I mean, the closest team, uh, it's Newcastle, but they're, if I'm not wrong, kind of team 10 points behind. So it's basically just Manchester City and Arsenal. And if we actually take a look on what's going on, I think Man City has a clear way of winning mm. the Premier League. <coughs> Arsenal's first place right now. They're two points ahead. But Man City has two more games to play uh, than, than Arsenal. So in, in Manchester City, at the circumstances, they don't lose, you know. <laughs> They're a team that they go for it. And right now, they got this this, this amazing guy that everybody's talking about, Erling Haaland, uh, combined with a great, great team. So, um, I mean, I hate to say it, Man City probably will win their... Uh, that was my next question. You think they're, gonna, they're the ones going to get it done? Yeah, they're going to win. They, they're... Their fifth Premier League in six years. Wow! And um, they're slowly turning the Premier League into a Farmers League. It's, it's <laughs> kind of hard to say, but it's, it's, it's happening. You know, Guardiola is doing the great job as manager. Mm -hmm. uh, great players like Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, because I saw something like that. The um, where Erling Haaland, like they said, he obviously he wouldn't score those that many goals. But his highest goals that he scored in in the the Bundesliga, right? Um, like it was like twenty seven, maybe. I think it was like 27, right? And so now he's already scored 35? He scored in all competitions this is this season over 50 goals already. Over 50 Premier goals. League but in, those. Yeah, so in the Premier League, he's already yeah, broken the record, right? He's 38, I believe. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah. It was uh, Salah's record. So, okay, so that was so that's my question about Man City because everybody knows that's my team. Mm. And Pedro doesn't like it, but it's okay uh, because we have our teams playing each other in the Champions League. So I wanted to ask him, you know, this battle for Premier League and Champions League as opposed to Real Madrid is all they're all in on Champions League, right? For sure, yeah. Um, does, in your opinion, do you think Champions League takes a toll on teams when they're still competing for their league trophy? They, it definitely does, you know. I mean, take a look at Real Madrid. They're performing great in the Champions League. They've, be, they, they, they've been beating great teams, you know. They did it last season. They beat Liverpool. With, the Liverpool backs uh, in last season was amazing, you know. They beat Man City last season, who were champions mm -hmm. of the Premier League. Um, and in La Liga, they losing to pretty much low low teams, you know. Today, they lost to Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad is not bad, but you cannot compare it to Manchester City or to <laughs> PSG, you know, which right. are teams that Real Madrid faced in the Champions League. So definitely, like, it takes, it takes time. It takes uh, preparation for games, you know. Uh, and obviously, if you know Real Madrid, they're always 100% focused on the Champions League. That's their favorite trophy to win. That's their greatness, you know, their legacy. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it definitely, like, takes time and preparation. And then your opinion, too, I wanted to know is, is there a trophy that has priority, like, in most leagues, or does it depend on the team? It mostly depends on the team, you know. For example, Barcelona, I can tell that their their priority is winning La Liga. Is mm -hmm. their, their is, that's their favorite champion, uh, their favorite trophy, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, Manchester City, yeah, we can say the Premier League is their priority, but they've been trying to win the Champions League. Mm -hmm. Right now, it is their priority because they never won it before, and they wanna they wanna win in the Champions League is the jump mm -hmm. they need to have in order to be called great in Europe already. Right. So, um, and then moving out of uh, Premier League into the Concacaf Champions League semis. Um, LAFC is taking a 1-1 aggregate into the second leg at home against Philadelphia Union on uh, Tuesday night. And Tigres has a 2-1 aggregate lead against Lyon in their matchup um, that's going to be taking place tomorrow in, at Lyon. Pedro, I need your predictions of who's making the final here. 
Well, um, LAFC against Philadelphia Union. I mean, LAFC has shown that they're right now one of the greatest team in the MLS. Uh, they've been performing great. They've been bringing great players. So I think LAFC, they're playing in LA. They should easily take it, and they're gonna make it to the second. They're gonna make it to the first time final in the Conca Champions League. And then uh, Leon versus um, Tigres, Tigers, yeah, mm -hmm. Tigres. Um, well, uh, on Sunday, Leon beat 3-0 uh, Tigres in, um, in the Mexican League, mm -hmm. you know, but... Oh, wait, hold on. They're playing, they played a league game amidst their CONCACAF? They did. Yeah, so yeah. three times in so like a week? Is, I know, yeah. That's nuts. Like, I didn't know that could happen. Yeah, it happened, <laughs> and they beat him. Wow. But... Uh, historically, if I'm not wrong, I think Tigres have been a greater team. You know, they they got really good players in their in their squad. They got Guignac from France, war champion. So, I mean, I think I think Tigres should make it to the final. They have a greater legacy and and they're good in the competition. You know, but who knows what might happen? <laughs> LAFC Tigres, you heard it here first on around the Hornet. Uh, moving out of the soccer realm, we're going to the NFL draft. Uh, the NFL draft happened this weekend in Pedro's team's backyard, Kansas City. Bryce Young went first to the Panthers, as Quinn and I predicted. I did not predict. I predicted Stroud. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had yeah. to throw that in there. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> he was quick to jump. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was like, yeah. How that. dare you put <laughs> words in my mouth? Bryce Young went first to the Panthers. Um, then the draft really started. The Texans took Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud at two. So you aren't too far off. Solid pick. People were hating on that. Stroud's going to be a better quarterback yeah, than Bryce Young. That's what I, that's what I said. Um, they traded... Then the Texans traded back into the three slot to take Alabama star defensive lineman Will Anderson, getting arguably the best player and the best quarterback in the draft. That was nasty. That's I mean, that was in, that literally shocked me when that trade went down. I mean, that was literally dra draft day vibes. Yeah, draft day, yeah, yeah the, the movie. movie. Draft day with Kevin Costner is literally <laughs> what it looked like. So great pickups, we think, by the Texans. At four, we saw Anthony Richardson get taken to be the future quarterback of the Colts. Reach. Mm -mm. Reach. That is a big, big reach. Uh, I think they're banking on him to be sort of like a, a Cam Newton type mm. of uh, like prototype of a quarterback. I just I'm, I'm not I'm not I don't I don't see it. I think. Well, first of all, if you look at Mitch Trubisky, he also started 13 games in college. And, you know, how that turned out, he kind of was just thrusted <laughs> into it. And, you know, it didn't work out. The difference there, though, is I think they have Gardner Minshew, who is not mm -hmm. like not the world beater of a quarterback, mm -hmm. but he's serviceable. I think can buy Richardson time time. Yes. Ready. But we don't. I don't know if he'll ever be ready. Is my concern. Yeah, I think I think the thirteen games is gonna is gonna hurt, and just like the inexperience, it's the in, he has yeah. the potential. Don't right, get me right, wrong. Right, right. He has the size, all of that. He has the throwing Tangible, power. Tangibles, yeah. yeah. But it's you know it's the experience and you know being able to read NFL defenses and stuff like that. So you know I, I think they're gonna end up regretting this one in the future. And then the Seahawks took star corner Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois uh, to round out the top five. Mm -hmm. My Raiders took the talented Ed Rusher Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech at 7. Quinn's Pats took a big-time corner in Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon at 17. Big steal, big steal. <laughs> the Chargers, uh, to represent L.A., took a gifted wide receiver Quinn Johnston out of TCU at 21. Pedro's Chiefs took the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year out of Kansas State, Ed Rusher. Good luck me saying this. Felix and Duki Uzama at 31. That was a mouthful. <laughs> and then the, la the <laughs> with the last pick of the first round, and Gerardo's Rams' first pick wasn't until the second round, number 36, when they took Johnston's TCU teammate Steve Avila, a guard to help shore up their horrendous offensive line. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Sarah's 49ers didn't pick until the third round, number 87, when they picked up former Rose Bowl MVP Jair Brown, defensive back out of Penn State. So I'll go around the table. We'll start with uh, Gerardo and work our way towards Sarah. How do we like our team's first picks and draft overall? Yeah, 
I'm okay with uh, our second round uh, 36 pick. Um, we definitely need something for our offensive line, so I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that for the Rams. And Gerardo was a big TCU fan. He knows all about this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I love, I love, don't you guys love when they pan to the crowds? Like, and they take at the fifth or 115th pick, such and such like, lineman, Wisconsin. They're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. I said that at no. least every pick. Yeah, just watching. <laughs> On day three, when it's like the seventh round, like 200th pick, it's like, yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> the energy is exactly like, it's like, this guy's going to change our team. It's like, if I if I feel like I don't know who the hell this guy is, there's no way those people, that they're just yeah. there to drink. You know yeah, what I'm right. saying? Have a good time. They're like tailgaters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes it fun, though. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pedrito, how do you think your Chiefs did in the draft? Well, uh, first, uh, I wanted to just uh, remember people like the beautiful ceremony that happened before oh. the draft, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey showing the Super Bowl <laughs> trophy, you know, just remembering people, which is the disgusting in the Flex NFL us. right now. But I think the guy they picked on the first round, uh, Felix Anudike Usoma, that's the way I speak. You're, we did it way better than I did. <laughs> He's a great guy, you know, Kansas State, uh, he was a great player. He bit. Um, couple of records on uh, as a college player and i think the chiefs did great better than the last season's uh draft mm. uh they went all in since first round so i think uh, i'm pretty excited and see what's gonna happen this season quinn your patriots i know you th you think uh gonzalez is a steal i thought he was really talented as well how about the rest of your draft how do you think it shaped out yeah the gonzalez pick you know definitely i i either wanted him or uh jordan addison from my trojans mm. but um I thought Gonzalez, even though we traded back, you know, we were still able to land him. He was a top 10 prospect. But, yeah, great great start. And then we went with Keon White. I, I didn't really like it because we already have – we have Matthew Judon. We have um, Josh Uche. We have Dietrich Wise. I didn't really think a drafting a DN was necessary. Um, but, you know, he's experienced. Uh, he was one of the better just ACC. Yeah, just some depth. And then the just like to round round out the top three picks, I thought you know the rest of them were iffy. Um, Marte Mapu from Sacramento State, great great pick. He's gonna be a solid linebacker for us. Watch, mark my words, he's gonna be a really solid. And actually, I take I take back that statement on the on the iffy picks. The our uh, two of our last three picks, we got two receivers, one from LSU, Keishon Butte, mm -hmm. who if he you know kept his head straight, he would have been a first round pick this year. Um, but he fell all the way to the sixth round. And then we big, got yeah, money drop. Yeah, yeah we got <laughs> DeMario Douglas, who was pro, fo pro football focus's number one rated wide receiver in college. Wow. Uh, so we, we got those two court, uh, those two wide receivers, sorry, at, um, you know, in the sixth round. Uh, well, we, yeah, we got um, DeMario in the seventh. It Just great value picks, and um, I hope they come out to be you, something. You think those are going to solve your receiver issues? I don't think necessarily they could like Butte could be a really good receiver. Don't get me wrong. Um, if he, you know, if he keeps his head straight and uh, stuff like that, if he really, you know, uses all of his uh, skills to the max, I think he can be a really good receiver in, in the NFL. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see from from here. And then, Sarah, I don't mean to throw you in the fire. And, and the Niners didn't have a lot of picks, but um, how do you feel about how your team's looking going to next season with these uh, new additions? I mean, look, I usually don't follow the draft because for me, it's more like I want to see how they play mm -hmm. with the 49ers. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's just me. And it seems like we have, looking at it right now, it seems like we have a good one, especially um, Brown mm -hmm. from Penn State. He 
He posted 234 career interception return yards. Wow. The second most at Penn State since 2000. That's pretty good. Okay. Third round, too. And he's tied for 12th in Penn State's program's history. So he's looking pretty good, and I'm not going to lie. Oh, but sure, yep, yeah. Like I said, we'll see, because with Trey Lance, they had high hopes for him. <laughs> Look where that ended. That's not, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Look where that ended. And then we got, sorry, guys, but we got Brock Purdy. And he, mm-hmm. did, he did great. Sorry. Not agree. Quinn's giving me the side eye right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, just, he's not, he's not, not convinced. No. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not sold on Brock Purdy. Seven games. Teams will have more film on him. Okay. Moving on to... My team, because that's where everyone's here for, is the Raiders, right? Raiders. (laughs) Raiders. That stadium is nice, though. I appreciate that. Um, I was really uh, impressed that we got Tyree Wilson at seven. He was projected neck and neck with Will Anderson in a lot of mock drafts. Um, but the real pickup that I liked was Michael Mayer at Notre Dame. I think he Dude, was, that was a steal. And I think that he, was, was he was about to go before like the pick, the next pick, but the mm-hmm. Raiders jumped in front and took him. And that really fills the – I mean, I'm, I was a huge Darren Waller fan, so I'm a little biased, and I was sad we let him go. And I think that's like, okay, I feel a little better. He's a better long-term Mayer's replacement. Mayer's like, he's, he's already fully grown. He, he doesn't need any more. No, like, he's the truth. Like, he was an NFL body playing in college. Right, he just slipped to the second round somehow, yeah. which is great. I also do like two pickups. Um Maryland uh, cornerback Jacorian Bennett. Um, he was really a really talented corner, cover corner for them. And then Georgia safety Christopher Smith. Anybody from that Georgia defense, I like our chances. Oh man, that yeah. defense is just loaded. Ask the Eagles. If I wanted, like the I wanted uh, Darnell Washington. I wanted yeah. the tight end Darnell Washington. Well, he's a beast he, and he too. fell to us, but we just, you know, typical Patriots. They never Trusting take Henry, who I want. Relying on Hunter Henry. <laughs> yeah, and Mike Gusecki. Yeah. So, you know, we're tanking for Brock Bowers from Georgia. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We got Garoppolo. How do you feel about that? I am okay with it. I think it was a lateral move. I think him and Carr are like pretty much the same guy. I did think at seven, I thought we could have traded to that third slot and maybe gotten Stroud and the Texans would take in Anderson mm-hmm. too. I thought that was more realistically happening. So, but it looks like we're clearly going with Garoppolo as a winner. starter. You got a winner. Yeah, and um, we did. And Aiden, they took Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. I'm like, they traded up for him. That's just not, that's just the guy that's going to be out of the league in like two years. But, I kind of wish we had taken someone a little more serious. Yeah. And then Hooker was there in the second yeah. and the third round. That yeah. would have been a great backup. Yeah. Um, he but fell. He fell really far. So did Levis, too, which we talked about in the first podcast. Um, but I do like our draft overall. And usually, you know, Raider fans are hating on Terry Wilson already because we just we, – we have flashbacks to Cleveland Farrell. Yeah. But I think <laughs> – But I think – That was so funny, <laughs> by the way. bro. Like, yeah. Max Crosby proves that I think we should approve. Mm-hmm. So – I'm proud of the Raiders. I think they did okay. And we'll move on out of the NFL draft and see what OTAs look like. Uh, moving on to the MLB, we promised you guys that we'd cover some baseball. Uh, we've played about 30 games this far. It's been a month full of surprises. Some division leaders, if you guys aren't aware, um, the Twins are leading the AL Central, the Rays are leading the AL East, the Rangers in the AL West, and the freaking Pirates are leading the NL Central. The Pirates. Yep. Um, the usual suspect of Quinn's Braves lead the East and the Dodgers lead the NOS per usual. Projected top teams struggling. I didn't even did a little research and saw this. The Yankees are in dead last in the yep. AL East at 15 and 15. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just littered with injuries. They lost Rodon, had a setback today. Um, and then they're one of their top relievers, Luchavino's having Tommy John. So they, they're and just losing. Cortez has been, he's out been bombed a couple times. Yeah, he hasn't had a strong outing. So they've been struggling. And then. The S show that is the Chicago White Sox are eight and twenty one. The AL Central, 
that's like just a whole Ooh, hot mess. They stink. And they quit on each other. It's, it's bad. Yeah. And um, we can get into that a little bit. The Mariners are 12 and 16 AOS. They were projected to be competing with mm. the Astros. And that is the Astros aren't even at first. Mm. And then the Phillies are 15 and 15 and at least the defending NL champions. Yeah, I think they're kind of they're kind of they're they're seven and three in their last ten. I they're think kinda they're kind of picking it up, but their pitching still stinks a little bit. Right. Got bomb last. And um, they're getting Harper back night. tonight. Right. So we'll see. That's still not that's not as bad. But they were predicted to be a little higher. And the Cardinals uh, sitting in the cellar of the NL Central, 10 and 19. 10 and 19. Just got swept by the Dodgers this weekend. I mean, the Cardinals, they have all the offensive talent in the world, but their, uh, you know, their pitching is, you know, what's really hurting them this year. Yeah. Um, The Angels are in their state of usual mediocrity at 15 and 13 in the uh, third place in the AL West. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Pedro. (laughs) I had a little shade in there. Um, Quinn, of all these teams, who has been the most surprising on both ends of the spectrum? Ooh, in the AL, I'd have to say I can't really say the Rangers. Honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Rays because I didn't really expect them to. Um, I didn't really expect them to start off this fast, but man, they just you know yeah, it doesn't matter who's on their team. Like they're just gonna be good, and uh, I think you know they have played a little bit of a weak schedule. True, that's uh, that's a factor. You know, yeah. Uh, they're facing off against the Pirates, uh, and that's who is going to be my NL surprise team. Is going to be the Pirates. <laughs> it has to be. I mean, literally insane. I didn't even think the Pirates were going to win more than seventy games this year. I thought they were going to stink again. It was going to be Andrew McCutcheon's farewell tour. <laughs> yeah. You know, all that stuff. They're trying to give him one but more ride. In the yeah, playoffs, man. Like. They're uh, twenty nine. Pitching looks great. I have a I have a couple of the Pirates pitchers on my uh, fantasy <laughs> baseball team. You know, so I'm riding the wave as well. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, I'd say maybe the Marlins a little bit. I mean, they're yeah. three games. They're tied with the Mets right now. Um, I thought that was a sneaky team I said yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but their run differential is nasty. It's minus 35. Ooh. I, I mean, they're but that just shows, I guess, their pitching is doing pretty good. Uh, we, we have a three-game series with them this week uh, starting today. Um, yeah. I mean, that's all I have to say for my surprises so far. Pedro, you have any uh, shockers in the MLB that have caught you off guard? I mean, it's pretty impressive to see two historic teams, two historic rivals, Red Sox and Yankees, fighting to whoever's not <laughs> last place of yeah. their conference. I mean, it's pretty sad to see that the right. first uh, the, the the team with the most World Series uh, mm-hmm. wins, and then the third team with the most World Series win, they're fighting and last. To place. not be in last. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy to me. And then the Angels, you know, uh, world champion uh, pitcher, <laughs> one of the best pitchers in the MLB right now, and they're still in mediocrity. I mean, it's frustrating as a Angel fan. Yeah, I, I feel so. Yeah, bad. the Angels are always gonna be like that, man. As I long as so bad. For, like, yeah, it's their their bullpen stinks. Uh, they still can't. They can't close. They can't close a game. Yeah, they can't, and they just can't find the right bats. It seems like, and when they do sign those guys that had great years the previous years, they come to the Angels and they, it's, it's like something just happens. Like, I don't know if if the Angels sold their soul in two thousand two when they won that World Series, but you know i mean just i don't i don't know what to say about the angels anymore i don't know uh gerardo how do you yeah. feel about the dodgers so far they won four straight they yeah. kind of been up and down yeah. so far yeah I, i'm okay with how how they've been playing i know they swept uh st louis uh, not too long ago i actually watched the game the last game it was, was just this three. this past weekend Gerardo. yeah past weekend yeah. yeah um so i'm okay i think they're gonna eventually pick up the pace and they're gonna uh take the number one spot in the west I think I agree. I think Dodgers just like I said in the first episode. I think Dodgers just gonna be that's just gonna be their season up and down. Yeah. They live and die by the home run. So then when they're hitting them like last night against the Phillies, they beat them eleven. And their offense is very feast or famine. Yeah, that's yeah. What I said. Like, either home run, if you're not hitting the home runs, then we're not scoring runs. So I think the pitching's been fine. 
Gonsolin came back, looked good last night. Yeah. Just coming back from injury, I should say. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then, Quinn, last question on baseball um, for this topic. Of all the teams that are in first place, which one is most likely to relinquish their positioning? I'm going to – I'm sorry to say this, but I'm going to say right now it's going to be the Pirates. Mm. As much as I want to nope, say the nope, Dodgers, eight. as much as I want to say the Dodgers, because, you know, you know, I just – I don't like the Dodgers at all. Sipping the haterade. I want to make that known. I'm going to say the Pirates. I, We've seen teams like this start in the past, you know, get off to hot starts. Usually the Angels. Yeah. And it's 30 <laughs> games. There's, uh, what, 132 more mm-hmm. games. We got a whole summer to go through it and a couple, you know, uh, months into the fall. So I, I, it's very hard to see the Pirates, you know, still being in first place by the end of the season. I think in a week in El Central they got a shot. I think the they no do, one, no but one. I think it. I think eventually, who knows? Maybe the Cardinals get their you know stuff get together. their stuff their stuff together. But I'm gonna say Milwaukee ends up on top. Uh, I think their pitching comes you know to form and they really take over. For me, I think it's the Rangers. I don't. I don't. Oh yeah, them for two I could seconds. see that the too. Astros are gonna take yeah, over. if we were to do like one in the AL and one in yeah. the NL, yeah, we could we could say you know. And then I think the ground looks hurt again. Yeah, he's gonna. He's on the fifteen. So again. I don't know. That's yeah. like they're all in his basket. So yeah. I, I picked. I think the Rangers won't be in first very much long. I think they're yeah. okay. They're a good team though. They're just mm-hmm. not. They might be fine for a wild card. Yeah, I can see that. So moving on, guys, to our last topic. This is the bait section where I get you guys involved here. The MLB has rolled out a few new rules this season. A pitch clock, which has made games on average go two hours and thirty-eight minutes, as opposed to just last season where the average game was around three hours and six minutes. With the bigger bases, pitchers can step off the mound only twice per at-bat, along with the first and second base uh, now being four and a half inches closer. Bases are being stolen at a 40% higher clip compared to the last full nine MLB seasons combined, according to Baseball Reference. After a month of watching, are we enjoying these changes, Gerardo? Yes. Why? I would say that it makes the game uh, just a little better uh, all in general, um, even for not just for the player but for the audience as well. So those who are in attendance or watching at home, um, they can actually enjoy more of the game itself. Pedro, how do you feel about those new rules changes? I mean, we're talking about baseball is one of the slowest sports That's we why can I see. Mentioned it, yeah. So um, I think it brings more action to the game. It brings more emotion. People can actually, you know, cheer more for their teams if when they're seeing their teams play faster. You know, there's more things going on at the same time. So I think the rules are pretty good for me. I I mean. I'm enjoying them so far. I just want to point out for the record that was Pedro that said that. I, I like the game of baseball the way it's played, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely understand that some people find it boring, mm-hmm. um, sitting there for three hours, whatever. I could sit through a whole 18 innings, no problem. I didn't say it was boring. I just said it was a slow sport. Okay. You know, For me, Fair it's enough. not boring. It's Fair pretty. Yeah. yeah, It's boring to me. <laughs> there you go. That's, I think that's what they're going for with the pitch clock. And then, Quinn, how do you feel about these new rule changes so I far? Th- you know, I, th- I think there's pros and cons to it. Uh, games have, I mean, you look at one nothing games, mm-hmm. you know, they last, some of them don't even last two hours, you know. So, honestly, if, like, I, I was in attendance, I feel like it'd be a waste of time. Oh, I was going to go there. I'm glad yeah, you go, go ahead and elaborate. Like, yeah, I feel like it's a waste of time. Because also, you know, say you're going to a Dodger game. I've been to many Dodger games, um, you know, when the Braves come down and play. Um Man, I, the, the parking the parking alone itself takes 30 to 40 minutes 
sucks. And that's like three innings already in in this to to start this season, especially mm-hmm. if it's like zero zero and the innings going fast. You, you sit down in your seats already the fifth inning, you know. So I think that would really get me mad as a fan. Um, but on t- like say you're watching on TV, I guess it's fine, you know. Um, but if you're going in person and you're watching it, it's not fun. It's honestly not fun. But I but I think the bases getting bigger has been great. A lot of more sto- more stolen bases, more offense. Yeah. I think it's been awesome. Uh, the pitching clock's been great. Um, you know, it speeds up the game a little bit, especially like in blowout games mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but also is like kind of like when your pitcher's struggling, it's like, <laughs> oh man, it's like yesterday Spencer Strider was like struggling yesterday and he couldn't have time to like really you know settle down, yeah. couldn't walk around the mound, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it it could really hurt your team as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think watching from a TV, it's great. Going as a fan, not so great. Yeah, I was really heavy towards not liking these rules at first. I'm kind of leaning towards liking them a little bit. But you touched on exactly what I wanted to say is it's crazy how these games are shorter, but are tickets cheaper for less time? Nope. Right? You're still paying the same probably more than you ever paid. Same amount. Same amount. You beers are they had to move beer sales back to the eighth inning because it was you don't have like a beer and teams are losing money yeah you couldn't buy them fast enough yep because games are going so fast right those are the cons but the pros the tv product is so much better just like sarah said the tv product is so much better so much more more action more things happening mm-hmm. um but i think the guys are still getting adjusted to it you know i but think some hitters are really struggling from yes. it because they don't have like the same amount of time and pitchers too. Some pitchers that use like are changing their whole windup Routine, because they can't. Yeah. yeah, they can't. There's been a lot time. of more tipping in pitches. Yes. Yeah, it's been so. Um, it's been I think good overall, but there's still some stuff to be worked out. I think for sure. Um, I want to touch on those rule changes because we've been discussing it as a staff for a little bit. But what I really, really want to get into in this one is um, making sure we spend some time discussing my lowly Oakland A's. Uh, not only are they absolute dog water right now, six and twenty-three. <laughs> Um, they're currently on pace to be the worst team in MLB history. The A's are currently trending to finish 34 and 128. That's their record. 34 wins, 128 losses. That wow. is so so bad in MLB. Crazy. Like Can you don't even understand. understand. There's the record is the is the Mets, and I think theirs was like a it was their inaugural season, right? Yeah. And on top of all that disgracefulness, the fans have now learned the team seems to actually be moving this time to Las Vegas. <laughs> Um, the team has purchased nine acres of land close to the Las Vegas Strip on the same side of the freeway as Allegiant Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, the club still hopes to secure $500 million in public financing, of course. So there's still significant work to be done before the A's can officially announce that they're moving. Uh, these stats are to be credited to ABC7 in the Bay Area. Uh, the last part has always been the A's issue, though, guys. The previous threats to leave Oakland, they're broken. They always need help from somebody financially. Yeah. The reason this seems to be more realis- realistic than the other attempts is Vegas is booming as a sports town right now, and they're taking in, taking in new teams like almost every other year. Yeah. Mm. So their previous failures, in case you guys weren't sure or aware, um, they've tried to move into new stadiums that occurred in cities like Fremont, which is in the Bay Area, San Jose, and Portland, to name a few. Um, it's kind of sad to see the fans and the citizens of the town lose their third team in the last decade by the time the A's leave. The Ra- Raiders seem to be thriving in Vegas, at Allegiant. And the Warriors Chase Center is a work of art, as Quinn and I saw. Yeah, that stadium is awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to throw it to the table. I'm going to go to Quinn and work around. Um, You guys are not really Bay Area affiliated. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you guys feel bad for Oakland at all? I feel feel horrible for Oakland, honestly. But at the same time, I mean, you look around Oakland. I mean, we were driving by Oakland, you know, (laughs) 
it, the dying city. It is. I it didn't look it didn't look appealing to my eye. Yeah. You know, not what we're used to down here. And I'm not saying you know it's all glitz and glamour down here either. But you know, Oakland looked pretty rough. Um, I I think when you look at the Coliseum, it's just it's I think it's sort of sort of out of style. And Oakland, I mean, the city of Oakland wasn't helping out the A's either. It's not no, like it's right, not right. like this was that the Athletics' fault. Um, you know. So, um, you know, I think it's pretty tough. And I Oracle Arena was, you know, running down a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I just I just think the area around it was, wasn't fit anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't blame any of these moves at all. Um, but I do feel bad for the fans. Pedro, how do you feel about how about it? Well, I mean, it's obviously bad for the city, I think, because they're going to lose one of their uh, one of their assets, one of the things that people uh, might wanted to go to the city for. But if we move to the team, I think it's great. We're talking about they're moving away from one of the most dangerous cities in the state of California. So they're definitely going to be uh, good impacted when it comes to uh, attendance to their games, uh, the economics. So, I mean, there's good and bad in this move. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it was – I think, honestly, yeah, what he said, it's going to be good for their, you know, their attendance and stuff like that because it's going to be like, you know, people just even going to Vegas for a road yeah. trip or whatever – um, or game. even like say like me and you like oh oh the Dodgers are playing in Vegas like or the Braves show. are playing in Vegas you yeah. know you want to go take a road trip to yeah. Vegas it's a free like or not like free but you know it's like hey, it's an excuse it's, to go it's to it's doable yeah it's an excuse to go to Vegas you know yeah. so you know I think things like that is going to be great for their audience and um, you know and their attendance and for the team overall mm -hmm. then again another thing is like you said that Oakland wasn't helping them. I don't think Oakland really has the assets to help them. Yeah, yeah that's what it, yeah, that, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah and well, like it's, a, it's a major city. It's it's one of those things, and like I said, I used to live there for times on end, and they might they might have it financially, but they don't want to spend it there. They got so many yeah. other issues yeah, yeah. to deal with. There's yeah. so many other so things. So I, I get the route you're taking there. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I mean, even though, like, they weren't, like, they weren't going to help them out financially like that. They're losing a really, really big money maker for the city, and that's going to drain them so badly that it's just probably going to make the city even worse than it already is. Yep. I mean, have you guys heard of Oakland snow? Does it snow in Oakland? Mm -mm. You stuck on the ground of a parking lot. It's Oakland snow. Oh, man. No one gets it. Mm. What is that? For all the car windows that get smashed into. Oh, uh, you told me about that. <laughs> yeah, I saw some of yeah. that in San Fran. Yeah, San Francisco just, just got some snow cool. flowing yeah. through there too. Yeah. yeah, that's just the that's just sums up the freaking city right now. It's sad, yeah. and it's and they're trying to gentrify it, and it's like making it worse, really. But what is that gonna do to Oakland sports? I mean, thinking when you think there Oakland is gonna sports, be no, they Oakland don't exist. They're not gonna exist. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. When you think Oakland sports, you think of the Raiders, you think of the Warriors, you think of the A's. But look, they're well, the, yeah, the Warriors have gone. always they just played in Oakland, but they were never like the Oakland Warriors like, or anything. Yeah, but Oakland owned they. Yeah, Oakland was in, in love with them, attached yeah. to them. They were considered Oakland, but they're called Golden State. Mm -hmm. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. But the A's and the Raiders so iconic yeah. franchises and especially yeah. in the 70s and 80s yeah. um and now that they're all gone i mean what's going to happen with oakland the city of oakland and then like, <laughs> but one thing the a's have to make sure they do is when they get to vegas they have to make sure they spend some damn money that's what's uh, not going to change because the owners the same owner is going to be the yeah, team doesn't spend money on their players have everyone's seen the so movie their payroll their payroll. Their payroll seen the is money how much? Only like thirty-five million dollars. It's like that's like total. It's like a third. It's like two-thirds of Trout's contract mm -hmm. is on the whole. The whole team makes that. Mm -hmm. There's players in the MLB that get paid more than thirty-five. Than their whole team dollars. Yeah. combined. Than their whole team combined. And that's what leads to this record that they're in. They used to be able to be fine, 
playing cheap. Yeah, because they Look had at, like prospects and and the and they, they, they use the an, they use <laughs> the analytics too, and you know, like this, like I was trying to say, like uh, everybody's seen the movie Moneyball with Brad yeah. Pitt and Jonah Hill. But now everyone but uses analytics. Everyone uses analytics, and um, Billy Bean is gone, so they're trying to do it without him. It's not the same. At this point, at this point, like why, if you're the commissioner of the league, like why let the team still exist? Well, it's they're an iconic franchise. You yeah. can't just cancel them. That's why they're moving. That's why they're supporting them moving to Vegas. And you think the move is gonna bring in some money? The, the Vegas um, mayor was saying in an interview I read there in this article that he thinks, look at the minor league team, the Aviators. They sell it every night. That's minor league baseball. And Imagine that park is team. nice, man. Yeah, and this is gonna be a new league. park. This is, yeah. this is this is gonna be a, a brand new retractable stadium park with thirty-five thousand. And I, I honestly, I do think if the NBA expands, I think that's Vegas right. should be the they're number have one every spot. Sport. Yeah. Literally, Vegas sport. is literally yeah, the hot right. spot for sports right now, and I think it's great. Drive, it's a full gas It's time. close enough you know, to LA to like yeah. take take that market. Yeah, take, yeah. yeah. So, I guess my last question before we wrap this up, uh, and I'll start with Quinn again, is Vegas a good spot or a bad spot for baseball to be in? Great spot. Yeah, like I said, you know, you know, when your favorite team plays, you'd be like, it's an excuse. People are going to use it as an excuse just to go to Vegas, you know. Uh, so I, th- I think it'll be great uh, for the sport. You know, having an MLB team out there. It'll be great for their attendance, you know, because more because, you know, those Vegas fans are going to be like, oh, we have an MLB team now and it's the A's, you know, an mm-hmm. iconic franchise. So, you know, I think it's it's a good move. Yeah. Do you guys agree? Or do you have a different take? I agree. I agree 100 percent. Vegas is the new sports city. You know, Vegas is the city for everything. Basically, a- entertainment, right now. <laughs> entertainment, you know, <laughs> the city so. of sin. <laughs> yeah. 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 Except on the heat, the desert heat probably sucks. That's, that's why they have the retract. They're going to do a retractable stadium because the games, you know, baseball's through the summer. Oh, but in the in the winter, don't it's it's not a joke no, in the no. winter either. It's Vegas cold. Is, Vegas is a night city. You know, the city's yeah, like if like they, they sleep at the day and they are awake at the night. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I just wanted to touch on that. I'm glad you guys felt bad for my guys up there in Oakland. I got some family up in that way in mm-hmm. Fremont. Um, I'm bummed. You know, they're not going to have the team to cheer for anymore. They're going to have to find somebody else. Because the thing about them is they don't go over, oh, Oakland left, let's go to San Francisco. Like, they don't cheer for the Giants. Like, they're A's fans or Warriors fans. So, uh. it's we'll see. Um, again, that will about do it for this episode of the Around the Hornet podcast. You can interact with the show by answering polls and DMing topics you'd like us to cover and share our hot takes on, of course. You can do all of this by following us on both Instagram and Twitter at FC Hornet. Be on the lookout for next week's episode where the fellows will discuss how the Lakers are faring in their second round matchup with Golden State and much more. For Quinn, Pedro, Sarah, and Gerardo, this has been your host, Jake Rose, and we are signing off.